what's this week's sport going on Salford City Radio and Repaxon. Um, we're here talking all things sport in Salford. This week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Paul, looking forward to all things Salford and sport? Yeah, certainly am, Rob. Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a good show. There's plenty to talk about, isn't there? So, uh, yeah, excited to uh, to start it off, mate. Yeah, and back after a few weeks holiday, we've got James Sweeten on the show today. James, looking to talk us through the uh, the boxing and the football. Yeah, as I said, Rob, I've been off the show for a while now, having a, a few weeks, but I'm ready to rise from the ashes tonight. I'm back in part of the best trio in all of broadcasting, so I'm happy to be on the airways once again. Yeah, to make a decent cake, you need flour, you need milk, and you need butter, and that's what us three are in a bowl, talking all things sport in Salford, Paul, and it's good to be here, and we're good, tasty sports pretenders. Yeah, I like the way you said that, Rob. Yeah, sounds sounds good to me. Not the bake off this, is it? But uh, the next best thing, mate. <laughs> so let's start with the, the Rugby League and Salford Red Devils, Paul. Uh, friendly on Friday night at the AJ Bell Stadium. Uh, Salford Red Devils played Halifax Panthers and won 32 points to 10. Uh, talk us through it, Paul. Yeah, it was a step up, you know, from the, the game against Swinton. No disrespect to them. It was a... You know, I expected it to be a tough contest, really. Salford well, made a good start to the game, really, and uh, you know threw the ball about again. Brody Croft and and, and Ken Seal setting up her tries for for Ryan Briley, who backed up superbly. Well, two kicks through there and uh, two really entertaining tries. Really, I thought Halifax showed a bit of metal. I thought their defence was quite good and they tested us uh, as well when they did get the ball. They had a lot of possession, Halifax as well, particularly in that first half. But uh, but Salford always seemed to have them at arm's length and scored some good tries again. And uh, I think Jack Armride who went off with a bit of a knock. I think he uh, he didn't. Didn't come back on, so I presume he failed his head test. He took a bit of a knock, but I think he was the only sort of uh, doubt with injury, really. Everybody else seemed to come through it uh, unscathed, really. And it was good to see Amir Aburra make his, his Salford debut. He looked very impressive as well, scoring a, a try from close range. So that's another option we've got a hooker. So all in all, it was a good night's work. And we retained the, the Colin Dixon Memorial Trophy as well. A bit of silverware. I know it's only a, a sort of a pre-season game, but that's that's good to get up and running as well. So in a decent crowd there. So it was, it was a good night. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we've seen two friendlies so far. They've played Swinton at home and they've played Halifax Panthers at home, Paul. What have you seen out of them two games that have encouraged you uh, on to the 2022 season? Um, I won't... I won't read a lot into it at the moment. It's difficult to sort of to pin things down. Yeah, we've, we've played some good stuff. I think defence has been a bit disappointing at times. We've conceded two tries in both the games and there's been, there's been you know, parts there where we look a bit... What's the word I'm looking for? We look a bit flimsy in times in defence. So we need to tighten that up because we're going to have a tough test against Warrington in a fortnight's time in the Lee Mossop testimony. Then we've got Castleford away in the first game of the season. That'll be like entering the Lions' den. That's going to be really, really tough there. So I think there's still an awful lot to work on. But it's hard to judge them at the moment because we've not played anybody... You know, of Super League standard, it's, it's difficult to, to judge. But, you know, we, the, the main thing is, like I've said before, is that you get through the pre-season and, and Paul Rowley knows what his, um, his best sort of starting 13 is going to be. He's going to know what his combinations are going to be and he gets through without injury. So I think that's that's the, the main thing you're looking for. And, and Paul Rowley will see things in training as well and he'll, he'll see things from those, those two friendly games. He'll see things from Friday night and he'll, he'll work on those in training ready for that Warrington game. So I think there's a lot to be positive about. You know, some of the new signs that have come in, particularly Ryan Bryler, I think has been superb. His attitude seems top-notch and uh, the fans have taken to him straight away. So, so there's a lot to be positive about and obviously we've got to keep progressing now and uh, make sure we're ready to take on Warrington. Yeah, talk about Ryan Briley. Three tries in two games, Paul, showing the class that 
you know, he's been shown at the likes of Toronto uh, and, and Lee. And, and now he's Salford's fullback, playing for his hometown team. Uh, you can see how much it means to him uh, playing for that red shirt. Yeah, he certainly can. I mean, he played for Lee for an awful long time, didn't he? And, um, you know, was a, a massive favourite there. But he does seem to have found his home at Salford now. And, you know, the fans have taken to him straight away. There's no doubt about that. And it's hard not to because he's... You know, his enthusiasm is infectious, really. He's so busy on the pitch. He works so hard. You know, even if he's probably not the greatest player in the world, with the greatest respect to him, his enthusiasm and his speed and what he does off the ball, you know, is going to take him a long way this season. And I was saying to my dad on Friday night, I can see him easily getting into double figures of tries this season because of just his work rate and his, his, his support play for a start. So, very clever player as well. And uh, I think he's going to be a real good signing for us and probably, you know, a signing where people probably raise their eyebrows at first thinking, well, is he good enough? He's played at championship level for a long time. But I think this is his chance now and I think he knows it's his last chance to play at the top table and he's going to take it with both hands. So, he's going to be a very exciting signing for us. Yeah, Brody Croft, Mark Sneed, Ryan Briley, and um, Andy Ackers in that diamond shape of creativity, Paul. There's plenty of tries in that. There is, and don't forget Chris Atkin as well. Chris Atkin is a, is a very good player, um, and I think he'll have a big say this season because I would, I'd hate for Chris Atkin to just drop out of the fold because he's been very consistent for us over the last few years. Amir Burrow, who I mentioned before, is going to be waiting in the wings as well for his, his place. So, you know, Andy Ackers is the hooker. But, you know, you need some support there. And I think Chris Atkin will slot in and, and do some work in the hooking role. And if we get injuries, which you inevitably do, he'll, he'll probably fill in as well. So you've got those those, those four there in the hooking role and the halfback role. Uh, Borough as well to come in. So there's there's a bit of cover there. there. There is a bit of cover and there's there's plenty of cover in the three-quarter line as well. So uh, you've got Morgan Escaray waiting in the wings as well at, at full-back. At the moment, it looks like Ryan Briley will get picked to, to play full-back unless he, he's to, to get injured. So you, you've got Morgan there as well to come in. The pack looks pretty good as well, as I've said before. There's still a few players to come back. You know, James Greenwood has had a bit of a nightmare uh, with injuries, hasn't he, over the last couple of years. But I'm sure he'll be, be back soon. Dan Sargent come in. Callum Watkins to come back. You've got two centres there it's your two of the best in the business on the day aren't they so uh, so yeah it's, it's, it's looking like a, a good it's not the biggest squad in the world but it's looking a decent squad there's no doubt about that yeah scored plenty of tries in the in the last uh, the first two games of 2022 both pre-season games Paul both against lower league opposition but it's a good sign that we're able to open teams up I know it's going to be a test we've got Warrington in a couple of weeks time then like you said we've got Castleford the week after that but it shows that the, the links in the chain uh, do work yeah at the moment yeah it'd be different Kettle Fish when you're playing Super League opposition, no disrespect to Swinton, but the two leagues below, so you would expect to be able to open up their defence. Uh, we, we shall see against Warrington, it's the speed and, and, and the power. You know, Warrington have got a lot of power in the forwards, as will, will Castleford. You know, you, you're going up there, you've got Paul McShane running the show for them as well. So it's a massive step up, you know, from playing playing these sort of friendly games. But that's the way you build up. You play a League One side, a Championship side, and then we're off to play a Super League side in Warrington. So, it, you know, you probably won't go and play. St. Helens in your first pre-season game, would you? Because you, you've got to build up, you've got to get the fitness right, you've got to get the combinations right. So I think the club are going about it the right way. Um, and there was, I'd say there was an improvement against Halifax from, from the Swinton game, an improvement in intensity, I would say. But I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Swinton and Halifax. I think they both come and, uh, you know, work really hard and, and try to make it difficult for us in both games. Obviously, they'll have a week off now uh, to prepare for that uh, Warrington friendly. Um, obviously, the players will be working hard 
or Rowley will be putting him through the paces and getting ready for, for Super League. And what what will you be looking for in that Warrington game in, in two weeks' time uh, that we haven't that you haven't seen in the previous two? You'll be looking for solid defence. You'll be looking for solid defence. I think you'll be looking for that toughness as well, that mental toughness. Uh, that, that comes in playing Super League. When you go to Castleford on that Friday night, Weldon Road, it will be like a cauldron atmosphere. They'll have a big crowd behind them. It will probably be bitterly cold. They're going to have forwards flying in, tackles flying in. It's going to be like the Alamo there. It really is. You know what to expect. So um, that's that's what we've got to be prepared for. You've got to be prepared to go into deep waters and that's what you're going to get. So that, that test against Warrington will, will be will be a deeper water than what they've been up to up to now. So, uh, yeah, Super League's unforgiving. It's relentless. Every week you've got to back up, haven't you? You know, you're playing quality sides week in, week out. And it's, it's tough. It's tough on the body. It's tough on the mental um, side of it as well. So, uh, I think the next couple of weeks now leading up to the Warrington game, I doubt Paul Rowe will be flogging the team to death now. I think the, the fitness is there now. You've, you've done all that. You've done all your uphill sprints and your runs and, and God knows what, putting your body through hell. I think a lot of it now in the next week or so will be getting timings right, getting combinations right, working on the little the little sort of details and that. I think that's what will be happening in the next week or so. I think that's important, obviously, because you, you need to make sure that it all kind of clicks together uh, in Super League because obviously... With the pandemic and with injuries, this test this test will be. Uh, how can this squad stand up to that kind of pressure? Yes, it always is. It always is. Super League for me, or any league, it's about being consistent. It's about being mentally strong and and you know and and, and being prepared for 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 the for the battle every week. If you like, you know, you, you're going out to away grounds particularly and. You know, these sides have been looking for points. I mean, if you look at Castleford now, there, Coach Lee Radford will be saying, you know, we, we want these two points against Salford. You know, Salford are not the best side in the league. They tip to finish low down the table. We we want to batter these. So that's that's what that's the mentality of that side that you're going to face. So you've got to be prepared and, and ready for that. And there's no doubt Paul Rowley will have his, his side ready for that. And uh, I think the Warrington game, Lee Mossop's testimonial, is, is the perfect sort of preparation for that. You look at Warrington, they're one of the bookies' favourites, along with St. Helens, to, to do well and finish in that top four. So you're not going to get a tougher test than that. They've got a big squad to pick from. You know, they've got a new coach in Darrell Powell. He's brought some of his players over from Castleford with him as well. So I would expect them to be one of the bookies' favourites, Warrington, you know, along with St. Helens, to, to, to do well and get to Old Trafford. So uh, it's a perfect test for Salford in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, the, the news broke this week that Salford's new signing, Tim Lafay's visa has been confirmed. So he'll be travelling over to the UK, um, hopefully to play against Warren. But if not, the, the week after obviously after a bit of travelling he won't be match fit but it'll be interesting to see what he can deliver in the next few weeks especially because Salford's uh, back line has been decimated through injuries and suspension yeah well that's right but the, the two guys I mentioned before Callum Watkins is hopefully going to be on the road to recovery soon you've got Dan Sardis who I think will be ready to play Castleford I'm sure his, his ban will, will be up by then and then you've got, got uh, Lafayette to come in as well so you've got three three quality operators there and I know you say it's going to take him a while to get matched with, but he's got a full season so Paul Rowley doesn't have to just pitch him in straight away um, he can make sure he gets up to full fitness and, and he's another quality addition to the squad so uh so, yeah, you, you've got to look at the players that have been playing there recently. Oh, Matt Costello, I thought, played well against Halifax. You've got Dion Cross, who's come in and probably played a bit out of position, really, in the centre. He's, he's more of a winger, but he, he's been probably one of the, the surprise signings in, in pre-season. A lot of eyebrows were raised when we signed him, and 
So I wouldn't say people are underwhelmed with him, but he's he's not a big name and he's probably someone that nobody's heard of. And you don't expect players like that to impress you as much as he's done in the, the, the pre-season. So I think he's put his 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 heart in the ring to to start against Castleford. I mean, from the way he's going at the moment, I think he's a super player. So so yeah, we've got some some quality there and some quality to come back as well. I suppose it's important having the quality all over the squad, uh, Paul, because if you have quality in the squad, it you can means you can attack both the league and the cup. Do you think Paul Rally will be concentrating on one or the on one or both uh, going forward in 2022? Well, I think you've got to just take each game as it comes, Rob. You know, you don't play that many games in the Challenge Cup anyway. You're only looking at three wins and you're at Wembley, aren't you? So, I think any club w- would be, be looking at a, a good cup run. It's all down to the, the look of the draw a lot of the times, isn't it? And, you know, injuries and, and things like that. And on the day, uh, the league's important. You don't want to be down in the bottom. You don't want to be relegated. So, you've, you've got to do well in that as well. So, you've just got to take each game as it comes. And I'm, I'm sure Paul Rowley will be doing that. You know, you only play once a week, don't you? So, if you can't play once a week when you, you're fit as a rugby league player, you know, you, you need to pack it in and go and do another job, don't you? So, um, I think they've got to, uh, they've, they've just got to, Target ball competitions. I mean, to get to Wembley, it's the pinnacle of the sport, isn't it? And as we know with Old Trafford as well, I mean, if you sort of to ask any player that, that played in that grand final night for Salford, how good that was. I mean, they'll probably f- remember that day for the rest of their lives. I mean, us as supporters being there, it was it was absolutely unreal. So if, if, if you was a player, you'd want to taste that again, wouldn't you? And get there and, and have another crack at it, I'm sure. Yeah, let's talk about our other local side now, Paul. Swinton Lions, they played Whitehaven this weekend and won 28 points to 22 at a friendly at Haywood Road. A good result uh, for the Lions. Yeah, it is a good result going forward to their, their uh, League One season. I know they've got a Challenge Cup tie coming up next week, so uh, they need to be ready for that. Their season starts a bit before ours, doesn't it, with them entering the Cup. And I was impressed with what I saw of them at Salford a couple of weeks ago. You know, they worked hard, they scored a couple of good tries. You know, Will Hope, you know, local lad, ex Salford player, I thought looked good for them in the pack. They've got Mike Butt there on the wing who just seems to score. I'm not so sure if he scored today, but he seems to score every week, so he's a real prolific try scorer. So, um, so yeah, things are looking good for, for Swinton Lions. They've got encouraging attendance today as well for a friendly fixture. So, it's going to be a good season for them. You know, they've got some big rivals in that, that League One. You know, you've got Oldham down there, Rochdale on, it's down there. Keith Cougars, I think, are in there as well. So, there's going to be, it's going to be a tough season for them. But they're one of the favourites for promotion. It's going to be exciting. Challenge Cup next week for them. You know, that gives them an opportunity to, to progress in that competition. And hopefully, draw a big side down at Haywood Road. Yeah, Swinton's uh, goal uh, try scorers this week: Brogan, Els, Lapore, Hayes, and Cox. Abram and Hansen kicked the goals as well, Paul. So shows that they've got a, an array of talent there with different goal scorers and different uh, try scorers. Can't believe Mike Butlin scores scores every week. I <laughs> put the bucket that in there, didn't I? Yeah, it does. It does, and. Um... You know, like I said, I was impressed with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Look, when, well, last week when they played Salford, and uh, you know, wish them all the best this season. It'd be great to see them get promoted. It'd be great to see, you know, two of our local sides, I mean, Rochdale and Oldham, one of those going up as well, back to the uh, back to the Championship. So uh, and it just levels the balance with the with the amount of Yorkshire sides that are up there as well. So wishing Swinton all the best. And like I said, the Challenge Cup tie. I think they're at West Wales, aren't they? That's a tough place to go. You know, West Wales were. You know, the whipping boys, weren't they, you know, a couple of seasons ago, but they got a couple of good results last season and they're starting to make progress, aren't they? And they've got a few wins and I think they got a draw last season as well. So they're getting better all the time. So that's going to be a tough, uh, tough mission that for Alan Coleman's men. Obviously, looking at the cup, Paul, they have to go to Wales, like you said. Um, for 
the likes of Swinton, Challenge Cup can be a money spinner because obviously with the bigger clubs coming in the later rounds would give the Lions a bit of a windfall. So it is important that Cole, uh, the coach Coleman and the players are really focused on this game and, and try and get through to the next round. Yeah, it's a potential banana skin. West Wales, you can't, you know, count them out. They're going to be fired up, you know, to, to play Swinton, fired up to progress and fly the flag for Wales in the Challenge Cup. So, yeah, it's massive for Swinton. It's massive for any club, the Challenge Cup. You know, if you can draw a, a big side at home and, you know, remember a few years ago, they went to Huddersfield, didn't they, a Super League side and Swinton went there and beat them. And what a great day that was for the supporters. You ask any Swinton supporter about that day and they'll be able to ream off the, the, the squad too here and ream off what they had for the dinner and, and God knows what, because it was a, a day they'll, they'll remember for the rest of their life. So that's what it's all about. You know, Swinton have won the Cup on a number of occasions as well, you know, in, in the past, in the long history of the, the Lions. So, so yeah, they'll be desperate to get through and draw draw Salford at home or, or, or Wigan or St. Helens or another local side. So, uh, so yeah, let's hope they get through against West Wales. Yeah, final rugby league question. Paul, the uh, Rugby League announced this week that scrums will be returning to the competition in 2022. Um, They were replaced because of the COVID pandemic and fears about close contacts. Uh, I think it's good that obviously coming back into the game, it gives uh, the game a bit of originality. Yeah, I don't know why it was ever taken away, Rob. Really, I mean, they talk about close contact, but you're close contacting with people all the time in tackles and you know, punch-ups and this, that, and this. So I, I didn't understand why it was taken away. Glad to see it back, though. It's um, It's been a long time coming back because it just adds a bit more to the game. It's, you know, you, the amount of set moves you see from scrums and that bit of broken play. Um, I think it, it was too structured, but it was just a set restart. I think bringing the scrums back is going to just um, allow that bit more off-the-cuff play and just allow for a bit more creativity as well. So uh, I'll be glad to see that back. They also discussed the fact that because they've got uh, Toulouse and Catalan in the league from France. Uh, the travel arrangements between England and France. They said that was going to keep that under review. Um, and what does that what does that make you think? Uh, you know, going forward. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for the for the, the teams in the, in the lower leagues. And I don't know. It, I was thinking of something a while ago. And you've got the Championship in, in League One, it's particularly in League One. There's some um, some massive tra- travel issues as well you've got, you've got um, trips to Cornwall and trips all over the place you know Wales and, and what have you so why would it not make sense to have a northern division and a southern division between those two leagues I, I don't know just to, to sort of help with the travel a bit because you think about league one sides they're not they're not blessed with money and a lot of the championship sides aren't as well and you're being asked to, to travel here there and everywhere so uh, it must be difficult for them so uh, you know particularly financially in this sort of uh, day and age as well so whether they're going to get some help from the RFL I'm not too sure but uh, but yeah the the, the French the French one's going to be uh, going to be interesting to see how that pans out yep so that's all the rugby league chat now Paul and we're going to talk ice hockey now yeah Manchester Storm Rob um, how have they been going on the last uh, week or so since we last spoke yeah last game Paul Glasgow away lost 4-3 uh, goal scorers were Austin Albrecht Joe Hazeldean and uh, Ben Soldier disappointing result uh, for Ryan Finney's men the pressure is building on Ryan Finney they seem to have slipped down the league the ninth uh, at the moment with 20 points so the Storm faithful uh, will be 
a little bit frustrated with, with what's going on. They, they seem to, they have got a better side on paper than what they're showing at the moment, uh, but they are on a bit of a terrible run. I think they've lost five or six on the spin now over the last uh, few weeks, which is disappointing. Um, so you're hoping they can find a way uh, to, to get a few more wins and get up the uh, the table in the next couple of weeks. Have they, have they showed any sort of signs of improvement, Rob? Because last time we spoke, there was a there was a defeat, wasn't there? Was it 4-1 or something like that? And Are there, are there signs of improvement? Have they got players injured? What what Can you put your finger on what's going wrong? It just seems like they're in a bit of a spin at the moment, Paul. And all sides go through peaks and troughs. And for me, at the moment, Manchester Storm are doing the hard yards. They're not getting the results they want. Um, you're hoping that that will turn sooner rather than later. Ryan Finney's men will dig in deep, but defeat after defeat will harm confidence both on and off the field. And you're kind of hoping that they can turn the corner uh, sooner or later. Certainly. Who's the next fixture, Rob? Yeah, two fixtures uh, to come this week, uh, Paul. They've got Dundee away uh, and then they've got Glasgow at home. On Well, Dundee is on the 29th of January and Glasgow is at home on the 30th. So it's two massive games for Ryan Finney's men. Two games where they, where they should really be looking for a victory uh, to, to get them up the league. And you're hoping it'll be the time that they turn the corner uh, and start winning again. Certainly do. Good luck to the Storm this week. That sounds like two, two tough games, that. Yeah, so that's the ice hockey chat, and I'm going to talk uh, boxing with James and Paul. Yeah, we are, Rob, and I suppose the best place to kick things off this week is none other than the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, and he's been in the news for a plethora of different reasons, but we're going to kick off with his opponent, Paul, for his next fight, and it's looking like there could be a variety of different names, because Bob Arum has discussed the likes of Andy Ruiz, Robert Hellenius, Manuel Shaw. I mean, I suppose people might be relatively happy if Fury fights Ruiz, but as for the other two that I go down, I think pretty awfully. Uh, the purse pin with Dillian White, they've still not managed to get there over the line. It looks like that's going to be going down Friday as the two sides work towards a deal. And there's also news that Alexander Usyk, that fight's being negotiated in Saudi Arabia. So as for an opponent for Fury, there's so many different people it could be, but who's your gut telling you who's going to get the Gypsy King fight next? I'm not too sure. It's... Um... Like you say, there were those noises being made by I think it's Robert Hellenius who was you know making real big noises about the, the the fight, and he was one that you know came from sort of left field for me. I wasn't expecting that name to be mentioned at all. Um, I'd like to see maybe the, the Dylan White fight made or the Anthony Joshua fight made, maybe even Alexander Usyk. I think they're they're the big names, aren't they? You'd like to see, but I'm not too sure. It, it could be anybody now, couldn't it? You think if you were Tyson Fury, you want the Joshua fight, really, wouldn't you? Um, particularly with what Anthony Joshua's done in his career so far. I think it's the fight the public wants to see. Um, and it, I think whoever wins that fight goes on to great things. I think whoever loses that fight, it could be sort of a real crossroads for them and maybe the end of the career. So particularly for Joshua anyway. So I, I don't know. I just hope the right fight gets made and we don't end up with something like the... Not, nothing against Hellenius, but... I don't think he's he's really the fight I'd want to see Tyson Fury in with. No, definitely not. Me neither, Paul. I mean, the massive reason why Tyson Fury, Dillian White, hasn't been made is due to the purse splits. 80% towards Tyson Fury, 20% towards Dillian White. That's what the WBC ordered. Is that a fair split of the money, Paul? No. No, I don't I don't think so. Um I, I know I get what what you know, Tyson Fury is the, the, the you know world champion and things like that, but you know, I think you you owe Dillian White a bit of respect there. He's he's been a really good fighter the last sort of decade or so. You know, he never ducked anybody. Been in some amazing fights, and 
you know, I think he deserves his shot. You know, he's been in some absolute wars and and, and whatever. So I think he de- I think he deserves a bit more than that. I think you know, if you were Tyson Fury, I think you need a bit more respect than that for somebody. So I think eighty to twenty is a bit of a kick in the teeth, really, for Dylan White. I, I think that fight that's a great fight to be made. That you know, Dylan White could give. Um, could give him some real problems. Tyson Fury some real problems. So uh, I'd like to see that fight made. But these things like purses and things like that, oh, in politics, always seem to stand in the way, don't they? In boxing, sometimes. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't agree. If it was me, fight for twenty percent, I would do. I'd jump in there. But I don't think Dylan White would. No, neither do I. And obviously, that's why it's been such an issue. But the purse bid, of course, it goes down on Friday. And every time you go to these bids. You're putting the life of your fight in the air, aren't you? Because there's no guarantee that you're going to win that bid. Who do you suspect comes out on top if we do go to that position? I mean, you've got Matchroom, you've got ESPN in top rank, you've got so many other people, because, of course, purse bids are open to the general public. Literally, anybody could bid. So PBC could get involved. I mean, it's completely up in the air. It certainly is up in the air, yeah. I wouldn't like to say, really... um... Where, where that one goes, it's it is. There's that many people now with with fingers in the pies and things like that. I mean, Matchroom used to be a massive player and then still are to a certain extent. But there's there's other people now who are catching up and and who want a bit of the a bit of the limelight, a piece of the pie, uh, so to speak. So uh, so yeah, I wouldn't like to say really where where that's going to end up. I mean, in Tyson Fury seems to be you know going to new lows to, to find opponents. He's calling out Francis Ngannou, the UFC heavyweight world champion. He fought last night and defended his belt. There's the big issue at the moment uh, within the UFC about fighter pay because I think uh, for the fights against each other, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury got about $25 million apiece, whereas the UFC heavyweight champion received 600000 for a fight that did similar pay-per-view buys out in the States. So there is a bit of a disparity there. Do you think the boxing model is a lot better in regards for the fighters because they get paid so much more? I think so. Yeah, I don't know what it is, to be honest with you, mate. Um, it always seems to, to, to be, and I'm not so sure how it works, but yeah, their, their model does seem to to attract the, the, the money and attract the, the, the pound signs, really. There's not dollar signs, whatever you, which side of the, the water you're on. Um, for me, personally, Tyson Fury, I mean, if I was him, I, I'd want to fight Usyk. I really would. I'd want to fight the best of the best and, and, and take the belts. Um, I think that's the, the fight I'd want. I don't understand sometimes the way fighters will, will go a different route. You, surely, on your, your career's only short. You should want to make make a legacy and and fight the best every time you go out there, you know, and, and, and try and take those belts. So that would be the fight I'd be looking at for him. In his last fight, Fury showed the world that it doesn't particularly matter what shape he comes in. His heart's never going to fault him. But it seems again that he's ballooned up in weight. Some training footage emerged recently of him doing a bit of body sparring with Joseph Parker, and he's carrying the pounds. In the Deontay Wilder fight, even though he won, you could tell it affected him. His movement wasn't as slick. He seemed a little bit slower. His timing was off. If he's going into a fight with Dillian White, obviously the body snatch is not going to be off him for a single second of that fight. Is it going to catch up with him now? Because, I mean, surely... I mean, we say this every time he balloons up and he keeps proving us wrong, but you can't do it forever, surely. No, I think eventually, uh, James, you, your body does catch up with you. You can only go to the well so many times, can't you? You can only go... I think you can only take punishment for so many times until you, your body does sort of shut down and say, I've had enough. So the, nobody's a robot. We're, we're all human. And eventually your body will. You know, it, it's it's science that, isn't it? You know, five a time catches up with you and 
you know, he's caught with a lot of fighters in the past. So he needs to be careful, really. I mean, you can't take people lightly. Um, he seems to, well, so far in his career, he's, he seems to be able to deal with everything that's been thrown at him and, and, and come out on top and do amazing things, really. The way he got off the floor against Deontay Wilder, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. But can you carry on doing that? I, I don't think you can. I think eventually you will get found out. So I hope he comes in in the right shape and the right sort of mental frame of mind as well, because we know Tyson Fury has had problems in that side of his life as well. So, so yeah, I'd like to see him put everything into this. And, you know, when he, when a man's got that sort of talent that he's got, you know, why why waste it and, and come in, ever? You know, come in in the best shape you can and be the best you can. So, um, and, you know, winning six rounds instead of ten. So, uh, that, that's what that's how I'd play it anyway. But, but yeah, just to answer your question, I, I don't think you can keep coming in that sort of shape and get away with it forever. Sticking with the heavyweight theme, there's been a bit of a palaver with the IBF over the last couple of weeks. They've ordered and eliminated to find the new mandatory in the heavyweight division. And Philip Hergovic is at the top of the list, but we need to find him an opponent and... In a surprising turn of events, both Luis Ortiz and Joseph Parker have turned that fight down. Ortiz, you can somewhat understand it. He's coming to the tail end of his career. And although he beat Charles Martin, he really struggled doing that, going down two times before eventually finding the knockout himself in the sixth. But as for Joseph Parker, I'm deeply disappointed in him. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when he fought uh, Derek Chisora, I thought he looked maybe the best he ever has done. He seems to have finally found that aggression. Andy Lee seems to be bringing out the dog in him. So the fact that he's turned this fight down, it has disappointed me a little bit. Well, yeah, like you said, the word you mentioned there, palaver, I've not heard that word for a long time. But like you're saying, uh, yeah, Joseph Parker come up with a great win there uh, and a win that sort of has ignited his career. So you, you think now, yeah, with Andy Lee there working on him, looking in, the, in good shape and I agree with it I thought that was one of his best performances so you think he'd want to carry on now and take that fight and, and keep progressing and, and keep the um, keep the train rolling if you like because sometimes when you, you're inactive and you you can get on a roll as a boxer can't you and ride the crest of a wave and I think you know for, for him now at this stage of his career I think he'd want to do that so I'm, I'm like yourself quite surprised he's, he's not taking that fight yeah, so am I. But ho- hopefully he has something in the pipeline. I know he's highly rated with the WBO, but we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, well, I suppose uh, we'll find out in the end whether it's a duck or not. But going down one division to Marish Brazis in the Cruiserweight division, arguably the best in that division, he should be looking at the likes of Lawrence Acoli, Alungu Makabu, top class unification fights. But he's doing anything but. He's got a tattoo of Jake Paul on his thigh. He's released a song calling out the YouTuber. And it's one thing Tommy Fury trying to get in the ring with him. It's another thing a unified world champion, well, a former unified world champion trying to step into the ring with a YouTuber. Surely he should be focusing on the big guns because this fight's never going to happen. And I just don't understand it, especially getting the tattoo. It's a bit bit embarrassing. People seem to do some strange things in this day and age, don't they? I, I know it does seem a bit embarrassing and a bit strange to me, that one. And I, Like I've said it before to you, I think when you're a boxer, or any sportsman, in fact, you, your career is not doesn't go on forever. You know, you, you're there for a sort of select time, really. And especially when you're in your prime, you should want to do everything you can to sort of make your career as best as it can be, fight the best people, do the best you can, win the belts. And, you know, and then you can look back on that when you retire and go, wow, I really did that. Why would you want to look back on that? Oh, I've got a tattoo of some guy off. I mean, I'm not slagging the, the guy off that, Paul. He's, 
he's won a couple of fights, seems a brave lad, so I'm not going to have a go at him. But why do you want to get a tie with him? And <laughs> it really does seem strange. Very much so. Now, the light heavyweights, unfortunately, and I know we all adore him, so it was a bit of a shame, but Callum Johnson was scheduled to fight for the world titles last week. Sadly, he had to pull out due to COVID-19. Joe Smith defended his world title that night, and now he's moving on looking for a new opponent. According to his team, he's after Artur Baturbiev, but the WBO have mandated Anthony Yard for that fight. Of course, Frank Warren promotes him. He also promotes Callum Johnson. He's now gearing up for a potential Yard-Smith fight. I sort of feel like if I was Callum Johnson, I'd feel a little bit left out in the cold by promoter because I'd be wanting him to get that fight back on for me. And it seems like he's signing with Yard instead. He does. It does. And sometimes, we, we've said before, boxing, it's been in the right place at the right time. You know, sadly, injuries and, and this time COVID has, has stepped in there and, you know, and, and, and robbed him of that chance, really. And let's just hope he, he gets another chance because, you know, Callum Johnson's been a been a terrific warrior, hasn't he, you know, over the last decade or so. We've been in some fantastic fights. And I know he sort of trains locally as well, or he did do um, at one stage in his career. So, so yeah, it does seem a strange one from, from Frank Warren, that. But uh, there must be some sort of reason behind it. But just just absolutely gutted for him, you know, with uh, contracting, the, you know, COVID-19 and having his, his chance taken away from him. It's really gutted, especially when he's worked so hard in his training camp. Now, quite a controversial matter this week. Chris Eubank Jr. is scheduled to take on Liam Williams, one of your favourite fighters, and it's about as good a domestic bust-up that you can possibly get. However, in a, in a little bit of a, an interesting move, Liam Williams has moved over to Adam Booth. Adam Booth also trains Chris Eubank's cousin. So it seems a little bit strange that he's, obviously, he's, he's got this lad in and he's effectively training Liam Williams to beat up his relative. Seems a bit of a conflict of interest to me. It, it does. It seems a real strange one because when you think about it, me and Rob spoke about this last week. Um, the Liam Williams and, and Chris Eubank fight is a is a real bitter fight, isn't it? It's between two men that can't stand each other. They really can't. There's, there's no love lost at all there. Whether it's an England and Wales thing, I'm not so sure. I think there's a bit more to it than that. Um, it's become personal, hasn't it, over this uh, over this fight and that decision there you've just mentioned. It it just seems another really strange sort of boxing story, really, for me. Yeah, it's very strange. And another strange one, and obviously we're, I suppose we're going back-to-back at slating your two favourite fighters, Paul, but Conor Ben, uh, he's been flagged by the WBC for not signing up to their clean boxing programme. Of course, on this show, we've always been quite stringent on drug testing and believing that fighters shouldn't take anything. There's obviously no guarantees that Conor Ben's been on anything. That's not at all what we're saying. He's now agreed to sign up to this programme. So should we be praising him for doing that or should he have been signed up already? Um, well, I think you're crazy for doing that now. But yeah, like you say, you should you should have been already on it. But you know, he's made the decision now, so I wouldn't hold anything from the past against him. He's, he's going down the right road now, and and yeah, there's no room for for drugs in any sort of sport. You know, you've seen it in the past, and it just I don't know for me, it just ruins things because you can test somebody afterwards and find out they've been taking drugs, and it just ruins the the history, doesn't it? Really, you look back through the record books and look at what they've won, and you think, well. It's false, really, isn't it? So, so no, it's a real pet hate of mine, you know, drugs and sports. So, no, no, glad that he's, he's signed up with it now and he's, he's on the right track. Last one for you, and it's a bit of an interesting one. Audley Harrison has signed up to Twitter this week and he's been on a bit of a rampage, slating Carl Froch, slating Frank Warren, calling him an irrelevant promoter and saying that he's nowhere near as good as Eddie Hearn, saying that Carl Froch could never lace up the gloves of Joe Calzaghe and saying that he actually encouraged him to see a sports psychologist because he was crying after fights. So, uh, I mean, I don't know where this whole Audley Harrison thing is going to go, but he seems to be on a bit of a rampage. 
I thought he was going to say all the Irish signed up to fight again then when he said that about his Twitter account. But no, it seems to me like he's a bit short of cash there and he's after selling the story to a newspaper or, or getting himself on the television because uh, he's talking absolute garbage there, really. And to, to, to sort of call somebody like Carl Froch, I mean... I don't think you can compare Kyle to, to Joe Calzaghe because they never fought each other. They're both different age groups and, and, and fought at different times. I mean, yeah, if they'd have fought, it'd have been a great fight, but they, they both did great things. You know, Kyle Froch looked down his record. Look who he fought. You know, never ducked anybody. He was in some absolutely fantastic fights. I mean, look at the Kessler fights. You know, you had to watch them with your eyes shut. They were, they were that tough. So, uh, and, and Calzaghe as well, you know, some of the stuff he went through, some of the fights, the injuries in, he had in fights and, you know, his dad made him carry on and things like that. So, two great fighters and I don't agree with Audley Harrison in one bit there. I think probably just a bit of attention-seeking. Yeah, it could well be, Paul, but it should be entertaining regardless of what it comes yeah, out with. And yeah. maybe this time next week we'll be back with some even more ridiculous comments. But moving on to the football now, but I'm sure you're absolutely delighted because a last-minute winner from Marcus Rashford has put Manchester United back into the Champions League places. Yeah, back in the top uh, top four, top five, Jade. We're looking uh, to try and break into that uh, elite part of the Premier League. Uh, Last-minute winner, Fergie time. Uh, that's what Man United's all about. True, paper over a lot of cracks, but we are where we are. And I'm looking forward to the next few weeks of, of hopefully wins and continue to claw back uh, the, the, the four teams that are in front. I mean... Over the last few weeks, people have slated Ralph Ragnick because he's got this innate ability to go seemingly into any team that's struggling, turn it all around, take over the ship and drive it back to dry land again. He's not been capable of doing that at Manchester United yet. I mean, he's been dropping the odd result here and there. Obviously, he's only lost one, I think, to Wolverhampton. But without David De Gea, we'd have likely lost a lot more. (laughs) However, now... It does seem like we're getting that little bit better. It does seem like we're gathering a little bit of momentum. And do you think people jumped on Rangnick a little bit too quickly? Yeah, we know uh, sort of Ralph's sort of plan for Manchester United. He's come in to steady the ship and build for the future. If Manchester United can can get a run uh, and get and stay in the top four and get into a sort of a Champions League for next season, that is an absolute bonus for him. And then it gives a thought to the the owners, the Glazers, whether to give him the job full time. He has a certain style of play, and the sort of the players are beginning to warm to that, James. But I, I just look at this Man United side. Uh, yeah, there is good players in it, but unfortunately, they're not for me a Champions League team. Prove me wrong, Manchester United. If you can go on a run and stay in that top four come May, I'll come back on the sports zone and I'll tap my hat to you and say, Manchester United, you've proved me wrong. But hopefully Ralph will have enough experience and the players will buy into his um, processes and uh, come sort of May, we'll be, we'll be celebrating the Champions League spot. Well, hopefully we'll be celebrating some FA Cup victory this weekend, Rob. We've got New uh, Middlesbrough, sorry. I mean, I, I suppose our North East listeners might be a little bit offended that I've got those two mixed up then. But we're taking on Middlesbrough. Big game, one we should win. Yeah, FA Cup's always a, a, a sort of a difficult thing. Obviously, these giant killings happen, don't they? And Manchester United at home, uh, Middlesbrough will be looking for a, a victory, but you're hoping that we'll have enough in the tank uh, to, to get a result uh, there, James. Looking at, obviously, the two big stories in the Manchester United week, apart from the, the, the victories, um, were the, the Ronaldo tantrum against uh, Brentford away, uh, 3-1. Ralph took him off, wasn't very happy about going off. Uh, what did you make of that? 
He's got a big ego, hasn't he, Ronaldo? I mean, it's not the first time over the last couple of weeks he's been in the headlines. Of course, he, he released that interview with Sky Sports, didn't he, the other week, where where he was essentially saying that Manchester United aren't playing good enough that we're, you know, we should be at least in the top three. As for tantrums, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for the team. I think if you're told to, to get off, you do what the manager says. So, yeah, a little bit disrespectful for me. Yeah, I, I think, obviously... Ralph's the man in con- in control, and if he takes Ronaldo off, uh, then obviously you know Ronaldo, Ronaldo has to abide by that. Obviously, the decision was proved correct because Ronaldo was off the field and his replacement went and scored, which showed that Ralph's decision making is on point, which is going to build a lot of confidence, I think, in the players in him. Because obviously, the week before uh, they kept Ronaldo in, and and we drew two two. Uh, sorry, yeah, we drew two two after being uh, two 0 up against Villa. So it is, uh, you know, a, a a step in the right direction that they've learned from that process, uh, that result, and and fixed it up immediately, and we go away with a with a with a victory uh, away at Brentford. Talking about uh, the other big story, the Ratchford goal against West Ham uh, claims it was offside. They claim the ball from Martial uh, to Gavani was offside. Uh, James, what what do you think? Do you think he was off or on? <sighs> Thought he was just about on row. It's difficult, isn't it, in in situations like this to say. Where things are off. I mean, people obviously have their own views and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, obviously, I'm going to be a little bit biased on on this show. But yeah. uh, how would you see it? Yeah, I think I think he was on. I, I think obviously with the VAR uh, decision making process, it can be hit and miss. Um, there was a game today, Liverpool uh, against Crystal Palace, where Liverpool were given a last minute penalty, uh, where I think it was Jota just ran into the goalkeeper. But after a, kind of the referee looked at it a couple of times, video referee looked at it a couple of times, gave a penalty to Liverpool, which basically meant they won three uh, one. But it's little things like that. that with a VAR, if you slow it right down, it does look like it is a penalty. But in real life, it wasn't. I think with this um, offside decisions, I personally think it should go back to the old the old days where you needed daylight between your defender and your attacker. It'd solve a lot of problems because now these lines are drawn on the on the on the screen, and if you've got an arm over the line, you're offside, which is which is bonkers. I don't think having an arm in front of another sort of a player gives you any advantage at all. No, it definitely doesn't, Rob. I mean, it's, I suppose it's this issue of, of where do you where do you pull the line, isn't it? I mean, I think mm. for most people, it's where your foot is, but it's difficult, isn't it? And something I want to talk to you a little bit about is Marcus Rashford. Oh, yeah. Because obviously, he was our goal scorer, which is fantastic. But I've just seen some stats actually posted on Twitter about the amount of game time that he's played. And it's been revealed that players who play a similar amount of game time to Marcus Rashford by the age of 24 tend to have turbulent end to their career. I mean, you've looked at a list I've got here of players who play a similar amount of games. You've got Hazard, Deli Ali, Neymar, Rooney, Michael Owen. Mm. And what they've all got in common, Rob, is, is horrific injuries. And I'm hoping that Marcus Rashford doesn't follow suit there. Yeah, you're kind of hoping that sports science has, has moved on and coaches now know what uh, you know to expect from players. Uh, I think the great out of the, the people that you've they've read out there, I think Michael Owen is the one that sticks in my mind because when he burst onto the scene in '98 uh, uh, for England, he had the world at his feet, and you know Liverpool at the time weren't a great team, and he kind of carried that side by himself. And I think obviously being a Liverpool manager at that point, um, you'd have been you'd have been hoping to play him every week, but 18, 19, 20, 21, you need to be able to rest your rest your body and and. I, 
obviously a lot of Liverpool fans might be might disagree with me and think, yeah, he, he was fantastic for Liverpool and he won us trophies, um, but. Did it? Did it? Uh, did it eventually curtail his career? Because uh, Michael Owen openly says when he when he got the chance to move back to Newcastle that he should have just given up uh, football. He he lost his uh, half a yard and he was just uh, going through the motions. And at Newcastle, he was on lots of money as well with Alan Shearer. And you know the Newcastle fans aren't particularly happy about that um, you know statement that he made. So um, it will be interesting to see what Marcus Ratchford does. Obviously, he's he's, he's in the good form with a couple of goals in the last couple of games and being an England international and, and the world is at his feet. But I think with Manchester United, it's difficult how he fits in this Man United side. If uh, if obviously with Ralph deciding the system that he plays, he will need a, a kind of a centre forward for him to play off. So uh, we'll be able to see how he fits in with the likes of, uh, you know, Sancho, Ronaldo, uh, Ratchford, you know, three into two don't go, do they, James? No, they certainly don't. I mean, I'm hoping that that's just nonsense. I mean, another person who was on that list is Cristiano Ronaldo. Of course, he hasn't particularly suffered from injuries, but something he came out with within that interview the other week with Manchester United was the fact that he's one of the very, very few players that's in the gym before and after trading. And it looks like that extra work that he's put in throughout his career really does play dividends. Yeah, I suppose it does in a way, James, because obviously he he knows how to look after his body. Uh, but we have to remember that Cristiano Ronaldo now is a totally different beast to the Cristiano Ronaldo of 10 years ago. He's not a flying winger anymore. He's a, he's a very good goal scorer. He's a predator in the box, but he isn't the same player and he doesn't need the same attributes um, to be you know, a good player this, this time round. For me, with Manchester United and, and Ronaldo, he doesn't really fit into the, the, the style uh, of play that Ralph wants to play. He wants him as a centre-forward, but really Manchester United have to play Ronaldo and someone else up top because we need that someone else to hold the ball up and, and be able to play off. And Ronaldo, with all his skill and, and all his like physical uh, presence that he has on the field, doesn't doesn't tick that box for me. So he is kind of a, a he is having to play on the left or the right of that forward three. But at 36, he's never going to be bombing past anyone. So Manchester United have to play to feet, which then kind of like sort of compacts that area of the field, which is a problem. But he is Cristiano Ronaldo. He scores important goals. So he, he won't be, you know, put onto to pastures uh, right now because he is a he is still an incredible force in, uh, in European football. Yeah, most certainly. And looking over to his former teammate, Wayne Rooney, he's in a bit of a, a predicament at the moment. Not necessarily a bad one because he's got a huge decision to make. And whatever verdict he comes to in the end, He'll be very happy with himself, but he's got two options. He can either stay with Derby County and try and complete the dream there, because obviously at the start of the season, they had a massive point deduction due to financial issues. And it looked almost inevitable that they were going to get relegated, but he's on the cusp of turning that all around with the terrific way he's managed to make the team play. So he could stick that out and try and produce what is the ultimate football in fairy tale, or he could go back to his boyhood club of Everton and take over the managerial role there. I mean, what would you do in Wayne Rooney's position and what decisions do you think he'll make? Well, really, you, you've started to build something at Derby County. You've, you've clawed your way back to within touching distance of, of survival, James. Uh, obviously, the pull of Everton being his hometown club will be immense. But if you're Wayne Rooney, you're thinking, I'll, 
I'll try and survive with Derby. If I don't survive, then people will, will see that I've done an incredible job and he, he might get a job off the back of it, even if Derby don't survive. So I think it would be a massive pressure just to jump straight into that Everton uh, scenario because obviously Everton are a club that are in a bit of a decline. They've spent a lot of money, uh, but not really uh, sort of shown the results that, that the money show, money is spent. So uh, there is something kind of rotten in that club. Um, and unfortunately for me, is it a good idea to jump in two feet? Even though it is your boyhood club, uh, would it sour your career prospects in the longer run? I think it would. It's like Alan Shearer when he went back to Newcastle as a coach. Um, Newcastle eventually went down and Alan Shearer sunk without trace. So uh, for me, Wayne Rudy should be staying at Derby County and finishing the job. Uh, and then we'll see where we are from there. Yeah, it's an interesting decision all around. I mean, would he regret it if he didn't go to Everton? Because this opportunity might never present itself again. No, it would be. A, it would be. Uh, you know, it might probably be a regret, a regret deep down. But you've got to think about your own career. You've got to think about, you know, Derby County. If you manage to pull off the great escape, how how big of a uh, chapter in your career is that when other teams are looking to recruit you? You go to Everton. It's it's a, a short term. Um, sort of plan for me because if you go to Everton yes you you survive next season but then what well I don't think Everton will suddenly start saying to Wayne Rooney you know thank you for for saving us is 100 million quid because you know Wayne Rooney won't be getting that off Everton we all know that they haven't got the juice in the tank to throw 100 million quid at that squad anymore so he'll be stuck in the same position lap next year and having to do the same uh, great escape again uh, just touching on our other side uh, Manchester City 1-1 draw against Southampton uh, you know still uh, nine points clear. Liverpool beat Crystal Palace. Um, so it is a, a situation where Guardiola has to keep the concentration going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's two points drop that really, isn't it? That game against Southampton, especially when Liverpool pick up all three. And obviously that gap closes a little bit. Manchester City still more than in the ascendancy, but they can't afford to take the eye off the ball because obviously they've done that in the past and they've, and they've paid the price for it. But looking at the game this weekend, taking on Fulham, one they should win, and I think that Manchester City, I, I, I feel like they'll see out this season, Rob. I really do. Yeah, it's, obviously, FA Cup, Manchester City are a winning machine. Obviously, we'll look at the FA uh, you know, Cup uh, this weekend in a matter of moments, Chase. But you're looking down them, uh, you know, them fixtures in in the in this round, uh, giant killing opportunities for for many teams. Uh, for me, if you were West Ham, you have to you're away at Kidderminster difficult situation there. West Ham flying at the top of the Premier League. Uh, you know, Kidderminster will be fancying the chances at home. And then you've got Leicester who are away at Notts Forest. Notts Forest beat Arsenal in the last round. Uh, so they'll be looking for another uh, giant killing uh, going forward. Yeah, it might be a step too far for Kidderminster. I mean, West Ham, even if they don't feel the strongest team, they've just been so good this season that you don't see them falling apart at teams like that. But as for Leicester, that's not an easy game, is it? I mean, there's every chance they lose that, so I'll have to more than be on the ball. But I quickly want to ask you something about a story that's emerged from Italy. Okay, hey, Rob. Uh, Leonardo Bonucci threatening to kill an Inter Milan secretary, pushing him, shoving him. Uh, a bit of a bizarre story. I mean, I don't know what punishment he's going to get, but he's been dealing with it's got it's going to like the sporting judges now out there in Italy, and he'll probably get a ban. But there's never an excuse for assaulting a member of the opposite line. I'm not even a player. Yeah, I think with Italians, James, you know, they're so passionate about the, 
the, the the football and the fans are kind of intermingled in in the clubs and you know a lot of lot lots of strange decisions happen in the in the Italian uh, football um, world and and questions are asked so it, it can it can look at the Italian thing and think corruption think you know off field antics and it kind of spoils it really because the Italian Italian football has some giants of uh, of, of football AC Milan's Inter Milan's Juventus's you know the great clubs and and they seem to get sort of muddied up in this uh, in these um, you know bad things that happen which is which is a real problem for them uh, obviously two minutes to go in, in the show now James let's talk about uh, Salford City FC uh, two games for them last week they were they won one nil away at Port Vale uh, funny story uh, at one point the post broke at Port Vale and a tractor came on to fix it you don't say that every day no you certainly do not Rob potentially the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a footballing game ever even more bizarre than that beach ball that (laughs) ended up on Anfield a few years ago I mean it's actually topped it by a country mile for me Rob yeah, it was it was a strange old thing, and then um, this weekend they lost three nil at home to Colchester. Colchester are coachless, uh, so you get that new uh, new coach bounce, which is which is uh, a thing that Salford seems to have uh, have, have, have caught there. Unfortunately, so they got two games uh, this weekend uh, with a minute to go. Uh, they've got they play Barrow away uh, tonight, and then they play Northampton away on Saturday. So two games there that we're hoping they can uh, they get a result from. Yeah, the Northampton game is going to be very, very tough. Fourth place at the moment. Barrow, probably the more winnable one. They're in 21st, and it's one you expect Salford to win and a result that you expect them to pick up. And I assume you feel the same way, Rob. Yeah, you can you kind of hoping that they can they can pick up a few wins uh, on the way. Obviously, with forty seconds to go, we we just need to kind of uh, keep winning, and it's important that Gary Barry Bowyer's men do that. Most certainly, Rob, and something, a bit of an amusing story that I'm going to close the show off with, I've got about 30 seconds left, is Bordeaux, who've had to drop one of their shirt sponsors because they've been posting hurtful pictures of them online. At po- to which, so Bordeaux got a bit annoyed, got rid of them, and Winamax, their sponsors, have responded, we're looking for a defence for our actions, but like Bordeaux, we can't find a defence. And things like that really do burn both supporters and club. Uh, so you're hoping that we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. So big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat.